All right, so today is the big finish of our three simple rules. Um, and this is our discipleship process. As I talk uh, to people and we talk about discipleship, uh, my conviction is uh, this is not rocket science, right? We, we make it very complicated, and it's not complicated. Uh, any good discipleship program, any good discipleship study, um, all have the same um, aspects to it. One, if you, in our discipleship walk here, I'm going to give you like the six basic aspects. Number one, we lessen the influence of the world in our lives. That's when the uh, uh, means of grace of fasting or something like that, we can fast from the world. However we do it, we lessen the influence of the world in our lives. And at the same time, we increase living in the means of grace. We increase showing up to Scripture to, to hear God's word and to hear God's truth. We pray and we stay connected and con have conversation and listen to God uh, through prayer um, and meditation. We serve. It, we're never more like uh, Jesus when we do selfless service, when we give of ourselves, when we sacrifice through service for the sake of others. Um, in worship, when we come and we worship together, Right? When you're with the, in the presence of God and you're worshiping God and all of that energy and all of that focus is going to the one uh, who deserves our worship and, and, and glory, um, you feel the power of that. And then um, Christian fellowship. And this is what we're talking about today. Remember, it's do no harm. Don't contribute to the darkness. And if you do, and you will, Fix it through confession, repentance, forgiveness. Second is um, do good. As children of the light, it's not enough just not to contribute to the darkness. We have to bring light into the dark world, into situations. Um, and we are to do that through acts of mercy. Remember, it's not, I raised the question, if we have compassion as a feeling for some, something or someone or some need, but that does not produce a merciful act, like the story of the good neighbor, um, then is it truly compassion? Or is it just kind of selfish feel good? So do no harm, do good, stay connected. Last week we said the importance, got to stay connected to God. God, the Trinity, God, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is the Lord in the church and what connects us together. And so this is the final one under each point has two subpoints. And this one is, first one was stay connected to God. And today it's stay connected to one another. It is important that we stay connected to one another. We are the body of Christ. And if we have the Spirit of Christ in us, then we get, we get the Spirit from other people, right? We, we receive the Spirit, and, it is, and that is another way that we are connected to God. If John is, has Christ in his heart and the Holy Spirit lives within him, then when I am with him and we are talking of the things of God, then I can feel the Spirit of God in him. Remember, Jesus said... Uh, where two or three are gathered in my name, I will be there. He didn't say what form, but he said, I will be there. 
and the Holy Spirit, you can feel the Holy Spirit. I'm going to digress and tell you one of my favorite jokes. It's kind of stupid, but it's really funny. And I heard it from a Lutheran pastor because I, I said that I was a young, I, was in, I started service. I, one of the first things I did in my young Christian life was a, a Kairos prison ministry. Woof. Talk about scared to death. I was 20 years old and, uh, or mid-20s and, and I, with this Christian stuff was new and I'm going into maximum security prison. And anyway, there was this, one of the joyous people I've ever known. Uh, he was a Lutheran pastor. And he would, he annoyed me because he would get up so happy at 5.30 in the morning and, hello, Jim, and da-da-da. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he could tell I was a, Young kid in my 20s, not, getting up was not my strong suit, especially at 5.30. And so he would always tell me a joke every day. He passed one by one day. He goes, hey, Jim, you know us Lutherans. I said, yeah, I didn't know Lutherans. I didn't know. He goes, you know us Lutherans, don't you? I said, no. He goes, where two or three are gathered, you'll find a fifth. <laughs> All, right. All right, now back to the sermon. So where two or three are gathered, the Holy Spirit's presence, and you can feel that. We got to stay connected. And this is the roots of Wesleyan Methodism that made us great. One of it, one of the aspects that made Wesleyan theology uh, great was the emphasis on the Holy Spirit. He felt his heart strangely warmed. All the Pentecostal full gospel, all the Holy Spirit movement came out of the holiness movement that started in the Methodist church. And so it was uh, Wesley's Holy Spirit theology, Wesley's grace theology that got brought grace back into the conversation of a very legalistic church. And the other thing, when it became a movement in America, and then also uh, before that in the overseas, one of the things was how he discipled people. He really made disciples. One of the things we're seeing today in our culture, because our culture is less and less Christian, is that um, disciples, we're not making disciples. The roots are very shallow. And any storm that comes, they, they go, right? But Wesley, what made one of his movements so great is he developed deep roots because he knew how important it was to stay connected to God and to the body of Christ. And so he had three levels. He had what he called societies, and that's basically like our church. He thought you should be involved in the body of Christ, the church, at three levels. The society levels, which would be worship, the biggest, the big church. This is our society, and those that are watching this online is our society. And we gather together for some big events. That was the first level. And then the second level was um, what he would call class meetings. Class meetings was the level of what we would call life groups. It's a little bigger, uh, still kind of informal, but a little deeper. Um, and it depends on your life group, right, or what kind of class meeting. Because a life group that this church is familiar with, where you get together, you might do a study, you do social events, you meet regularly, you pray for one another, care for one another. But it could be like the praise band. They have a common interest, and they come and they gather uh, weekly and they pray for one another and they look after each one another, but they gather for a common interest. And so that would be at that level of life group or, or even a committee if you meet regularly. 
can be of that nature if you treat it like that. And then his last level was band meetings. And that's where you get down into it a little bit. And I think this is where most Christians are missing out. Because we don't have those type of groups. Maybe we have a friend or two. Now, these meetings were uh, Wesley. I won't use his. I've, I've kind of made it friendlier and less intimidating. But it's what I would call grace groups. And it's people, it's groups. If you've been to Emmaus, it's very similar to a fourth day group. Where there's, it's four to six people. And you come together and you talk about where you have fallen short this week, where you might feel far from Christ, where you have screwed up, where you have done harm, right? And you share that with your brothers or sisters. They're usually uh, guys and guys and girls and women and women. And you share that with your heart. And in that, you are confessing. And by acknowledging that's where you screwed up, you're repenting. And in that, you receive forgiveness from those. They're not, they don't support what you did, but they love you. They know everything about you and love you anyway. And you also share grace. Where did you see grace? Where did you experience? Maybe where were you close to Christ? And so I could go on about these, but I think it's best that we hear uh, and we have a lot of people in here who can give us testimonials, but I want us to hear from a couple people that what their group has meant to them in their life and the difference it makes. So the first one is going to be Fred, and he's going to come and he's going to talk about the class meeting or what we would call, his, what he's going to talk about is his life group, and I'll let him tell you about that. And then I'll introduce, I'll have John come up. He's one of our pumpkin patch products. Oh, there's three Ps, pumpkin patch product. Um, and he's going to talk about the grace group that we have start, he had started meeting with. So, Fred, would you please come? Good morning. So, last night, my lovely wife and I were sitting down on our back deck, and we were just talking about the incredible blessings that we have in our life. But then we were also talking about how, over the last five years, how much change occurred in our lives and uh, we also talked about that uh, the one constant through all that change has been our faith. It's been our attendance at church. It's also been our life groups and, and being connected. So I'm going to give you just a little, go into a lot of detail, but I'm not, but just a little detail of my journey over the last five years. I think it was 2014 when my then wife, uh, Cheryl, of, we were married 30, 36, 7, 36, 37 years, um, started attending Rockbridge. And we heard of these things called life groups, and so we started attending. And I can tell you that we quickly became, felt connected to the church, more than any of the other churches in our 30-something years of marriage. So we fell in love with our, our life groups. I'm going to fast forward a little bit to a Sunday in March of 2017, if I can get through this. Um, it was that evening that uh, Cheryl told me she wasn't feeling well. And the brief story is, took her to the emergency room, and at 4 o'clock that morning, she passed away of a cardiac arrest. And I still remember... <clears throat> Driving, driving home early in the morning, 
And then, as you might imagine, the rest of that day was filled with talking with Pastor Wade, going to funeral home, calling people, um, and it was just all kind of kind of a blur. And later that evening, later that afternoon, my son and daughter were at the house, and it got to be about seven seven thirty, and it dawned on me that this is life group night. And I told them politely, I said, I'm going to be okay. I need to go to my life group. And I did. Um, and I can tell you, I had been up 36 or so hours at that time. Um, but they, the people there in the life group, they were the faces of God that evening. They gave me hugs. Um, and during the next... You know, several days and weeks, they, they were there for me. Um, two of them even sang at, at the funeral. And then after the funeral, we came back here to the church, and the life group had prepared a meal for all the family and everything. My life group was there. Fast forward in time as, as time passed and life moved on, I got up the nerve to ask Alana out for a date. She said yes. <laughs> um, and, you know, a couple years later, we were, we were married. Guess what? I had two singers at the wedding from the life group. Guess where I met Alana? <laughs> at the life group. So as I look, look back in the last five years, I can't explain why, you know, those, those changes happened. Um, it's just unbelievable. Uh, Things in my life, also Alana's life, changed during that period. Again, can't explain it, but the constant there was our faith, our connection with Rockbridge, and connection through, through the life groups. Life, life groups evolve. People change. People move away. But there's a constant there of, of, of being connected. Thank you. All right. Um, little disclaimer before John comes up here. As important as I think and foundational as life groups are, uh, we can't promise a spouse, right? <laughs> That's not their purpose. So if John will come and, and tell us that John has been with us uh, since the pumpkin patch, right? I've stalked him in the pumpkin patch, him and his lovely wife, Serena, and now uh, baby Avery. Uh, and also, I'm going to put a plug in, John is, some of you, I, I jokingly, they, they go, who's John? I go, you know, the pizza guy. Uh, John owns uh, the Sacconis down uh, Austin. in Austin. If you love, it's good pizza. Had one last night, sausage and mushroom, in your honor. All right, and he's going to talk about Grace Group, the smaller four to six folks that uh, he's been in this last few months. Well, good morning, church. As Jim said, my name is John Garland, and my wife Serena and I have been attending Rockbridge for just about a year now. Um, we met Pastor Jim at the Pumpkin Patch last year, uh, and we liked the spirit, so we, uh, we attended service the following Sunday, and we've been coming ever since. So I can definitely say that the Pumpkin Patch is about more than just selling pumpkins to people. You know, it's about connecting with people and, you know, bringing people closer to God. And that's why I'm standing here right now is because... We're selling pumpkins outside, you know. So uh, about five months ago, Jim asked me if I'd be interested in joining a life group up here. And I said, absolutely. And, you know, I've never been part of a life group before, so I wasn't quite sure what to expect. 
Um, but it's been a great experience for me. It really has. Uh, there's something to be said about being able to be vulnerable and open up about your problems and insecurities with a group of men that aren't judging you, at least to your face. Um, <laughs> it's really a powerful thing, you know, especially for someone like me that can tend to hold things in sometimes and not share. Um, because we all have problems and issues, but just speaking them out loud to someone or a group of people can kind of lose the power that problem has over you, right? Um, and one thing I find really refreshing about the group is we live in such a divided world right now, but if we have honest discussions, we really have a lot in common and share a lot of the same issues as one another. And um, I can find, you know, that's really comforting in having a support network, if you will. Um, we share about what we're grateful for, where uh, God has shown us grace. We call them our grace moments, um, where we've been far from God and where we failed uh, and where God is working in our lives. And, you know, that can be really inspiring because, you know, maybe you didn't have the best week. Maybe nothing's going on in your life. And then you go and you hear where God is working in someone else's life. And it just fills you up with the Holy Spirit. Right. And, you know, it. Uh, not only does it fill you up with the Holy Spirit, you just leave thinking, man, I needed to hear that today. Just like with Pastor Jim's sermons, there's always at least one thing that jumps out to me where I'm like, I needed to hear that today, and I'm better off for it. So, um, you know, it's also been a great place for me to make uh, new friends um, because adding men of God to my life has definitely been a positive experience for me. So if you've never been part of a life group before, I definitely recommend it, you know, because we all have good days and bad days, and sometimes we just need someone to listen to us. Sometimes we need encouragement, and other times we need to do the listening and the encouraging. Um, you know, we all have our loved ones, or most of us do, husbands, wives, mothers, fathers, whoever it may be, but uh, a group like this can offer such a different perspective that uh, is healthy and beneficial to each and every one of us. So uh, thank you all for your time, and God bless. Good job. Okay, so those are two different kind of looking groups, right? The four to six, more intimate, usually of the same sex. You share uh, things that make you uh, vulnerable, and, and it lifts you up. One of the things that people would tell me when we would leave, they go, I don't understand. I feel so much lighter, and all we did was talk about how we failed. I was like, well, that's where you receive grace. Jesus has already gone to the cross. Jesus has already paid for that. You got to give it to him. And when we do this, when we have those folks we can share, we give it to them. And so this is, I've always believed this, and I still believe this today. This is one of the fundamental things lacking in Christians' lives today, is to have those brothers and sisters that you can come and share anything, that know everything about you and love you anyway. That, is always, that the relationship is more important than any other thing. And to feel that and to have that, there's no replacement in this world. And so if you're not in a group or you want to start a group or you want to be a part of a group, I encourage you to contact me. We'll, we'll, we'll get you in one. It's vital, especially in this world, in our culture, as we become more and more divided. We become more and more isolated. 1 Corinthians 5, 8 says the devil prowls around like a lion looking for the one that's the, well, I've added this part. The, the stray that's got away from the herd, right? That's by himself or herself in spirit and lonely, isolated. Those times, and this we got to, I know we're going to run over today, but it's important. We have to get, understand 
that it is the church, it is the body of Christ, it is the brothers and sisters of Christ that are there for us when we're hurting, when we're isolated. What is our tendency? What's the natural person? Not the, not the spirit, but the natural person. When we've had a bad week, or we failed, or we did something we shouldn't have done, or, or we've argued with our spouse, or whatever it is, what do we want to do? We want, I don't want to go to church today. I don't want to go to that. And that's the exact place we need to go. We need to run to the church. I learned this, and then we'll move right into communion. I learned this, and the reason I'm so big on this is because this has been one of the most formidable things in my life. I've referenced before a group of men out in West Texas when I moved out there with my wife when we were first married, and they were ranchers and farmers, and they were older than me. I was just in my mid-20s. They were like 40, 50 ranchers, farmers. I was from Chicago, had nothing in common, but I went to this group every morning at 6.30. Had to get up every morning, but boy, it was the biggest thing, especially at that time in my life, that formed me as a Christian. I would go and I would share and they would share. And one of the things I learned, those mornings that I got up and I was mad at my wife or I was mad at the world or just had a bad attitude or tired, I was like, oh, I don't want to go today, right? Well, I forced myself, sometimes I didn't go, but I forced myself enough times to go on those bad days. And when I went, I learned something. Those were the days I got the most out of it. Those were the days I needed to be there. The other days where I was like, yeah, I'll go. I was probably needed to be there for someone else. It wasn't my day. You know, uh, and so I got to learn that, hey, I'd get, wake up and go, I don't want to go. Ooh, I better get there, right? And that's the same thing with us. And it might not be our day. Maybe I'm there for some, I've had a good week. Maybe somebody else needs to have some of my good week. Maybe the spirit's dim in their life and they need to, to have be lifted up by our spirit. You know, remember uh, in, in, I think it's Numbers, Exodus, Numbers, Exodus, one of those Old Testament books, where uh, Moses, they were fighting and when he held his hands up, we talked about this before. When he held his hands up, the Israelites were winning and they won and they would defeat him. And when his hands began to tire and they would uh, fall, they would be, the tide would turn and they would begin to lose the battle. But then Aaron came and he would hold his hands up. Aaron and another brother came and when his hands got too tired to do what he needed to do for God... He would, they would come and hold those hands up for him. And that question that comes out of that scripture is, who's holding your hands up when you can't do it? We all need it. Don't think you don't. That's the first lie. We all need it. Jesus came and gave his life that we might have life. And that life is found in community and connection with the body of Christ our brothers and sisters. There's no replacement for it. We all need it. Let us pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for your grace and for your mercy. I thank you for your patience. Lord, help us to know that we can't do this world, especially 
the world we now find ourselves in by ourselves, isolated from one another, but we need one another. We need the body of Christ. We need those with your spirit in them to lift our spirit. We need one another. Help us stay connected to you and to one another, Lord, that we might continue to be your people, spreading the good news and the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is in your holy name we pray. Amen.